0: The sound of waves quietly lapping against the shore surrounded Tordium. He was a tall, broad man, his posture unbowed despite his advanced age. His long, gray beard was matched by a similarly gray robe, with a deep cowl that cast a shadow over his eyes, even as it shrugged off the light mist of rain falling about him. Behind him, the rocky shore sloped gently down into the ocean, He lived in Shialti lands, where the fjords drove jagged spurs of earth out into the sea and pine forests coated the landscape. The wind was cold, as always, and only a bleak shimmer of sunlight passed through the clouds. He was a wise man, reputed to be learned in the ways of sorcery and the gods. The village of Holt, which lay nearby, looked to him for both guidance and protection from the unknowable spirits that haunted the world. It was the pleas for assistance from those same villagers that had brought him here, to this bleak, desolate strand, to see for himself what had happened. Ahead of him was the graveyard. It was little more than a collection of rudimentary cairns, with stones piled haphazardly in small clusters at the head of each grave. There were no walls surrounding it. As with all Shialti cemeteries, the gravesite's boundaries were unmarked. The simple dirt trail leading up to the rude necropolis wound between the marker stones, ending at a large carved runestone in the center of the site, half as tall as a man and decorated with simple patterns. At the edge of the yard, a fresh grave lay empty, waiting for a body to hold in its earthen embrace. The small cairn of stones at its head lay scattered, as if swept aside. One would think that the pit had only just been dug in anticipation of a burial, but the villagers told a different story. The death had already happened, the body already buried, and in the dead of night, it had risen again. Tordium leaned on his staff, contemplating the pit in the ground. There had been no witnesses to the corpse's resurrection. The details had been assumed after the desecrated grave had been discovered. It was far more likely, in fact, that it was a simple case of grave robbing. The claim that a dead man had risen from the earth may have been a red herring, thrown out to cause a panic and avert suspicion from the criminal who had violated the sanctity of the graveyard. The wise man was no fool, and he knew human nature just as well as he knew the supernatural. And yet, that terrible, unnatural possibility remained. The Shulti fear perishing with an oath unfulfilled, a promise broken, or dishonor upon oneself. Such actions have consequences. The unworthy may be denied passage to the halls of the dead in the underworld, cursed by the gods to serve penance in the world of the living. They say that their spirits linger, returning to their bodies and rising from the earth as a revenant, a fearsome creature of single-minded purpose and terrible wrath. Fordyam stooped over the grave and placed the marker stones back in their place, one by one. The grave he left open, but inside it, he placed a piece of driftwood carved with a curious symbol, an eye with a sharp angular rune in the center of its pupil. It was the mark of the dead god, the keeper of the underworld in the Xialti tradition of beliefs. Should the corpse have been the victim of grave robbers, the rune may at least offer the villagers of Holt peace of mind. And should the corpse truly have risen on its own, perhaps the dead god would see the Draugr's return and guide it to its proper afterlife. It was the same symbol that had been carved on the runestone at the graveyard center many years ago. At gravesites across the realm of the Shielty, one can find the under god's watchful gaze protecting the dead. Tordium turned and began the journey back to Holt. He had preparations to make, and a fearful village to calm. If it was a matter of grave robbing, there was little threat to his people. And if it was a revenant returned from the dead, then it would find him ready and waiting. Welcome to a world very much like our own, but with a crucial difference. In this world, folklore is rooted in stark reality. My name is John Kurnett, and I'll be guiding you through stories of strange events, close encounters, political conflicts, and tragic history. All set in a unique world that blends reality and mythology. This is The Wayfarer's Compendium. In the distant north, where the summer was brief and the winter was dark, stood the lonely hall of Vesterlane. It was a place of ill repute. The story of Vesterlane's plight, far-fetched as it was, had traveled by ship and by horse to the south until it was known throughout the realm. It had surely been distorted and exaggerated with each telling, gaining details and embellishments until it no longer resembled reality. And yet. Should you journey north to the same valley you may still find a runestone with a single eye carved upon its face in that dark veil perhaps there's a kernel of truth to the legend but who alive can say with certainty nevertheless the lonely hall of Vesterlane stood at the mouth of that valley during the long winter darkness shrouded the land for weeks at a time in the summer snows thawed and herds of cattle grazed throughout the valley under the careful eye of vesterlane's workers his herds brought him great wealth and though he was a commoner by blood he was respected throughout the region his hall was well provisioned and warm, a safe haven nestled within the harsh surroundings the man himself was known to be dependable and kind to those in his employ when he could find anyone willing to work in the valley at least The valley, you see, was cursed. How it gained such a curse is anyone's guess. The truth had long since been lost to time. The reputation it gained, however, was so great and terrible that Vesterlaine had difficulty hiring anyone to manage his herds. His household was small. Only himself, his family, a few servants, and his faithful steward who had worked for him and his father before him. Every spring, the landlord would make a trip to Rodstad, the nearest town of any respectable size, to find workers on the docks. He hired anyone who was brave enough to work in the valley proper. The pay he offered was far beyond what other landowners were willing to give, and yet, by the next spring, his cowherds would inevitably have fled from that cursed place. It was on one of those trips to Rodstad that he met Galdir. Galdir was a brute of a man, nearly seven feet tall and over 16 stone in weight. His face was coarse and scarred, his clothes were stained and filthy, and his demeanor was somehow more unpleasant than his appearance. Even so, Vesterlaine was in dire need of help. If the giant was unafraid of the curse, the landowner had no choice but to hire him. Galdir, for his part, boasted of his fearlessness and laughed off the dangers of the supposed curse. No rumors of hauntings could dissuade him from taking the outrageous pay Vesterlane was offering, and so it was decided. The uncouth, loutish man was hired. He agreed to work for Vesterlane through the year, curse or no curse. The next day, Galdir arrived at Vesterlane's hall and set to work. Unpleasant though he may have been, he was also fearsomely strong and an undeniable asset to the landowner. That was more or less the only positive thing that could be said about Galdir, unfortunately. By the end of the summer, he had made enemies of all the men in the household and disturbed all of the women with his lecherous behavior. His humor was as crude as his appearance, and he was confrontational and surly at all times. However. Vesterlane had no other options, and, to his credit, the giant did keep all of the cattle in order. It was during the fall that tragedy struck. The days were growing shorter and the nights longer. It was time to bring the cattle up out of the valley before the snowfall grew too heavy and blocked the pass. Weighing almost as heavily on Vesterlane's mind, however, was the curse. It was during the dark season that whatever fell spirits haunted the valley would assail his workers, scaring them out of their wits and driving them to leave, never to return to Vesterlane's lands. Nobody in their right mind entered the valley after the endless night set in. Galdir, on the other hand, laughed off his master's warnings. There was work to be done, darkness be damned. And so, The giant worked through the brief midday sun and into the early evening, much to the chagrin of the other members of the household. Galdir did not return that night. The next morning, Vesterlaine and his steward set out to find the cowherd. They had only a scant few hours before the sun would set once more, leaving them at the mercy of the valley. Their search moved quickly, and they called out the giant's name, hoping against hope to hear a call back in response. It wasn't long before they stumbled upon the corpse, lying silently by the runestone. The stone's watchful eye stared enigmatically down at the body. Galdir's neck had been broken, as had his arms and legs. He had only been dead a single, cold night. And yet, great purple bruises had set in across his skin, and his flesh was bloated. The two men tried to heave him back to the house for a proper burial, but it was a hopeless endeavor. His weight was such that they were unable to raise him from the ground, let alone carry him back up the snow-lined path. The light was fading, and there was nothing that could be done. They returned the next day with shovels in hand, planning on burying the brute where he had fallen. When they arrived, however, something strange had happened. The corpse had vanished. A light dusting of fresh snow had fallen overnight, covering the site and blotting out the last day's footprints. Perhaps a predator had made a meal of the body, but where then were the remains of its feast? There was no chance it had been carried away. Two strong men were unable to lift it, and it was ridiculous to imagine that a traveler had even passed through the dell, let alone stolen the body away, especially at night. Vesterlaine was unsettled. He and his steward returned home empty-handed. As darkness settled across the land and the sun failed to return, his household shuttered its windows permanently and prepared for another long, cold winter. It was the stable hand who saw him first. He had made the short miserable trek from the great hall to the barn to check on the horses. He saw a flicker of movement in the shadows cast by his lantern's light. It was as though a figure, taller than any other man the boy had seen, had crept into the next chamber. Advancing with his light held high, he saw what had moved. It was Galdir. The stable hand's recollection was scattered. He was pale and shaking uncontrollably when he told Vesterlaine. The dead cowherd's face was purple and swollen, but it was recognizable enough. Even if it hadn't been, his massive stature was unmistakable. The giant's skin was cracked and blistered, his hands bloody. In front of him was the landlord's horse, lifeless and still. The revenant had broken its neck. The stable hand sprinted from the building back to the house in terror. The entire household waited anxiously through the darkness. Some prayed to their gods while others clutched their swords nervously, but the dragger did not appear again. When the spring arrived and the first hints of sunlight appeared on the horizon, Festerlaine's servants didn't hesitate. All of them, except for his faithful steward, left fleeing the valley and its curse. The landlord and his family were left alone in their holding. Galdir's fate remained uncertain for a time. Aside from the death of Vesterlane's horse, it was as if the giant had never been there. It wasn't until early in the summer that the second encounter occurred. Deep within the valley forest, Vesterlane's son spotted the brute while watching over his father's cattle herd. The revenant slipped between the trees and disappeared into the morning mist as the young man hid in terror. It seemed that the giant had not fled after all, and his presence only added to the legend of the Cursed Valley. That terrible state of affairs continued through the summer. As the seasons turned and the air became cold once more, A stranger arrived at the lonely hall of Vesterlane, on horseback. His name, he proclaimed, was Haldor of Perengar. Buckled at his side were a cruel sword and a long dagger. A large round shield bearing an unfamiliar crest was slung across the pommel of his saddle, hanging by a heavy leather cord. He had heard of Vesterlane's plight. He had heard of the valley's curse and he had come to slay the Revenant. The haunting had only grown worse since Vester Lane's servants had fled. The giant was rarely seen, but his handiwork was everywhere. Cows were found maimed in the fields, and outbuildings were rent apart, their doors shattered and contents strewn about. The dragger had grown so bold as to stalk the path leading up to the Great Hall in the dead of night his deep labored breathing echoing through the darkness. No man dared to stand against the giant, and yet here this thane believed himself to be a fit match for the abomination. The master of the valley pleaded with the traveler to reconsider. The sun was low in the sky and Vesterlane offered Haldor lodging for the night, and the next morning he made depart in peace and spare himself from the valley's curse. Faldor, for his part, scoffed at the proposal. He had traveled far from the great city of Perengar to undertake this quest, and he would not be dissuaded by his host. The warrior, you see, was disgraced and sought to restore his status by laying low the monster. His honor rested upon this mission. He would not, could not return home until it was seen through to the bitter end. The night passed and the valley's denizens awoke to the dull light of dawn. A grim surprise awaited them as they rose and began the work of the day. The stable doors had been torn down. One hung limply by a pair of nails, while the other had been pulled fully off of its hinges. Amidst the splinters of wood, the still body of Haldor's horse lay in the darkness of the barn. Galdir, it seemed, had come in the dark of night. Vesterlane offered his sole remaining horse to the warrior. Take it and go, he begged, and be spared from the fate that surely awaited him. Haldor refused. The foul creature had killed his steed, and Haldor would not leave without seeing a fitting punishment inflicted upon it. That morning, he descended into the valley on foot to see where Galdir had died. It was almost unchanged in the year that had gone by, the runestone, carved with that enigmatic eye, still kept silent vigil over the clearing. The search proved fruitless, and Haldor returned to Vester Lane's halls empty-handed. That night, the warrior lay awake for a long while, tossing and turning. The great hall, where a bed had been arranged for him at his request, was silent and dim. His quarry had proved to be simultaneously elusive and dangerously close. The dream of glory and the fear of the undergod rested heavily upon his mind. After a time, Haldor realized that the quiet hum of the wind outside had been joined by another sound harsh, rasping breaths. They were faint, but grew louder and louder passing from one side of the room to the other. Beyond the shuttered window, the sound of footsteps in snow echoed into the chamber. Haldor's pulse quickened. The devil was near. For a frozen moment, time stood still. The warrior lay in his bed, all clothed, appearing for all the world to be fast asleep. By his side, within arm's reach, his sword leaned against the wall. At his belt, his long knife rested in its scabbard. His heart raced, but his face was calm. The creaking of wood sounded through the hall. The doors shook once, then again, as if struck by a great force. The latch gave way, snapping with a great crack and allowing the doors to swing open with a cold gust of wind. A draught swept through the hall, the frigid air creeping over Haldor as though death himself had stolen into the chamber. Footsteps thumped heavily across the wooden floor. Through half-closed eyes, Haldor beheld the Draugr in all of its gruesome majesty. The flickering hearth cast a harsh glow across Galdir's face, cracked and mutilated as it was. His flesh was rotten and pitted, his sunken eyes burning with malice. The giant stalked slowly across the hall towards where Haldor lay. Foot by foot, step by step, he closed the distance between them. As Galdir came within arm's reach of the warrior, Haldor sprung into action. His sword leapt into his hand and his aim was true. He rose all at once from the bed and lunged for the revenant's evil heart, piercing its chest through with his blade. Galdir stumbled back, staring blankly down at the sword buried full through his torso. On any man alive, the blow would have been fatal. Galdir, however, was not alive. The giant's face broke into a gaunt rictus, a mockery of a smile at the warrior's efforts. With the sword still lodged through his heart, he grabbed the warrior by the arm and threw him to the ground with terrible, unnatural strength. Haldor ricocheted across the floor, colliding solidly with the wall. His gaze blurred, and his head swam at the brutal impact. And It was too late to react, but Galdir was upon him once more. The revenant dragged Haldor across the room even as the warrior struggled futilely trying to break the giant's iron grip and free himself. As outmatched as he was within the Great Hall, he knew that his chances of survival in the freezing cold and darkness outside would be far worse. Galdir's fingers clawed at the thing, tearing into his flesh and spilling his blood across the floor. As they approached the shattered doors, Haldor mustered every ounce of his strength and locked his legs, strong as pine trees, against the wooden beams of the doorframe. There they hung, in a terrible, deadly struggle, the living against the dead. Haldor's strength began to fade, the blood oozing from his wound sapping his energy. His legs shook from the strain. Galdir let out a roar of anger, the decaying muscles in his arms bulging as he pulled against the warrior. And then, all at once, Vesterling was there he waved a blazing torch at the monster, searing its flesh and setting its ragged clothes ablaze. As the Draugr relinquished its grasp on Haldor, the warrior sprung to his feet and drew his knife from his belt. He leapt at the giant and slashed the dagger across its neck, grappling with the behemoth and hacking at its rotten flesh again and again, until its head was severed fully from its body. Silence reigned. Galdir, fully dead at last, toppled slowly to the ground with a heavy thud. His decapitated head bore an evil smile, and his dead eyes faded to a dull stare. The Thane's wounds were grievous, but he was victorious. The curse of the valley may have not been lifted, but at the very least, Vesterlane and his family were safe from the Draugr's predations. The giant's body was burned, never again to roam the land of the living and torment its denizens. If you enjoy the Wayfarer's Compendium, the best way to support the podcast is to share it with your friends. Thank you for listening.